I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? We hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally, and we're your hosts. You're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation for Christ Mm -hmm. in our world today and excited to be joined on this conversation by our friend, Pastor Justin Mack. How are you? I am great. It is an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're thrilled. And um, Pastor Justin, you and I go back, I think of Man, just from being a part of the Assemblies of Mm -hmm. God in Minnesota, you were the presbyter of our section for a number of years, and um, we've had the opportunity to probably share some workouts at the gym, (laughs) to have some conversations about, well, like this one, about God's heart and missions, Um, but just really excited for the listener today, Mm -hmm. and um, so we honor you and we welcome you, and uh, by the way, Justin Mack is the global project pastor at River Valley Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's also the founder of Project 42. The vision for Project 42, he's going to share more about, but is to raise awareness and resources for the 42% of the globe that has little or no access to the gospel of Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So if you're fired up about lost people, this episode's for you. If you're asking like, man, how can I share my faith across the street, across the world? We're going to dive into all things of God's heart and missions, mm-hmm. kingdom builders, project 42. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to do that here today. So Justin, if you can, you just want to maybe launch with some of your journey of life and, and leadership. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, it is an honor to, to be on with you guys. And uh I probably need to do a few more workouts at the gym than uh, what you and I did in the past, but uh, it's been fun watching watching the Lord work through your guys' life and uh, even being a part of this podcast, truly an honor for me. Um, yeah, so my journey, I, I grew up in an amazing family in Iowa and Arizona. Uh, my parents have pastored all my life. I'm one of three kids, and um, so just had an amazing godly example uh, before me and um, didn't really think I would maybe be in the ministry per se. I had a heart for the Lord and wanted to honor him with my life. And uh, when, when I was 16, I went on my first missions trip and there was a, uh, a spark that um, just went off in my heart. And uh, that has just continued to grow larger and larger. Um, I went to Bible college in Texas. And uh, after Bible college, I actually moved to Minnesota to go to law school. I was going to study law to use that as a tool for missions work. And uh, volunteered at a missions organization up here and uh, um, connected with this young pastor of, of a young church at, uh, called River Valley at the time. It was a couple hundred people. And uh, our hearts were just synergistic towards the gospel and taking it to the ends of the earth. And so joined uh, the church uh, about 15 years ago on staff, uh, one campus, one location. And uh, it's now grown to multi-site. I think there's about 10 campuses right now and, and maybe about 10,000 people on an average weekend or so, maybe pre-pandemic, not quite sure what it is now. But right. um, And then a few years ago, uh, my wife and I birthed this thing called Project 42, which we can talk a little bit more about. But um, yeah, it's just been been a journey of saying yes to the Lord and seeing where he leads me. And it's it's been an amazing journey. 
That's incredible. Well, Justin, we are so thrilled that you are joining us today, but also that you said yes. You said yes many years ago to, to the Lord and to what he has for you and to, to reach the people groups that are not being reached essentially. So for the listener who's maybe just tuning in, who doesn't necessarily know parts of your story or project 42, before we like dive in right there, where was your heart exposed to God's global, like the global heart of missions? Like what was that pivotal moment for you to recognize, to realize like something has to be done instead of allowing this 42 just to remain a statistic? Yeah, that's a good, great question. So like I said, when I was 16, I went on my first missions trip. And, and up until that point, I'd heard other people's stories. I'd heard missionaries come and speak at church or uh, read biographies. And, and it was very compelling. It was very heart moving, uh, for sure. Um, but I think when I saw it with my own eyes and uh, experienced it, you know, uh, it, it moved from just kind of somebody else's story in, in my head to really going down into my heart. And, uh, and it was no longer somebody else's story, but it was part of my story and my experience. And, um, and then as I continued to, you know, grow in my understanding of, of the world and even God's heart for uh, those that have never heard, um, I, I don't even recall, my wife and I have talked about this and tried to figure it out uh, many, many times, but we don't even remember when we heard uh, that there's still 42% of the world that's never heard that Jesus loves them. But at some point we heard that and, uh, and maybe we'd been told it, but we never truly had ears to maybe hear it. And uh, when we heard that, just something rose up in us that um, it wasn't, it's not acceptable that people have never had a chance to hear. It's not that they've rejected it. It's not that they decided to go a different direction. Um, they've just never had the opportunity. They've never had access to somebody to tell them that Jesus loves them. And so um, we just felt like and we, we have to do something more. And to be honest, felt a little bit like that little boy in the crowd of 5,000 where, man, this overwhelming crowd, this overwhelming statistic of, of 42% of the world, 3.14 billion people, what, what can our little do? Um, what we had felt less than, you know, some bread and some fish, but um, just trusted that the Lord was leading us to do something about it. And so we just gathered a few friends, a few leaders and said, our project is going to be this 42% that it, in many places, there's no church, many places, there's no scripture translating to their language. Many of the places, there's no missionary even serving among them. In many of the places, there's not even known believers uh, that if somebody wanted to, to search out, uh, the truth, they could never find it. Um, and so we just said, what, what can we do as a group? And so we just cast this vision, um, as my role as a missions pastor, I've come in contact with many missionaries and many organizations doing great work among the unreached on those on the front lines that have never heard. But one of the challenges is it's hard to talk about because many of these places are dangerous. Um, there's a lot of, uh, challenges that exist, uh, politically, uh, economically, geographically, religiously, there's a lot of challenges. Um, and so uh, those that are doing it have a hard time talking about it because they can't expose what they're actually doing. And so we just felt like if we could be a voice, if we could be a middleman to what God is doing through them and uh, connect them to those that want to make a difference and want to help those that are on the front lines, uh, we'll do our part. And so we, we launched this thing a couple years ago 
and uh, people just responded in a way that we were blown away. So uh, it's just continued to grow from there. Um, and uh, many churches, many organizations, many foundations, many individuals, young, old, rich, poor, um, are saying, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to take the loaves that I have. I'm going to take the fish that I have, and I'm going to give what I can and see what God does with it. So uh, that's a little of our, our, our journey and story there on, uh, on Project 42. Justin, we love it. <clears throat> and I am just old enough to remember when, because I grew up in Egan, mm-hmm. went to Eastview High School in Apple Valley. And I remember two things. I remember when there was no church called River Valley. And then I remember when there was a campus. And so what I'm about to say, I think it's important to say that first, like there was once no vision mm-hmm. for River Valley Church and God birthed it. And I, we get excited when we hear Pastor Rob and Becca share the story and just River Valley Church is an on mission church. So now to say that last year, part of the narrative of what God's doing at River Valley is Mm -hmm. over $10 million was given to support local and global work of missions um, across the world. Like in a single year, that's really radical and incredible. Part of the vision of your house is to see at River Valley 500 missionaries sent out and it's mm-hmm. happening. It's yeah. in process. So, but I look at like for the listener, that's big thinking. That's mm-hmm. bet the farm moments. That's not safe living. That's not small thinking. Mm-hmm. It's very honoring to God, but it had to start somewhere right. with. You know, so we all start somewhere. We all take our loaves, our fishes. We all feel inadequate. And then I have a similar story to you, Justin, where I was 18 years old, had some career plans, had my grad party planned. And then the church I grew up at called Cedar Valley teamed up with your church of River Valley and did this big Belize missions trip, 2010, 12 Mm -hmm. years ago, exactly. And, um, that changed everything for me. That was where I experienced a burden for the lost and a call to the, to the ministry and a call to the next generation. And so would you want to share anything about this idea of missions, um, which is different than a tithe or an offering, this idea of kingdom builders? You want to just maybe share about like what, what that looks like for your church, not that it should be copy paste at ours or anything like that, but can you just share about like some of the journey or what that looks like? Yeah, sure. Happy, happy to. So for, for those that aren't uh, familiar with me, uh, not, not a famous name or a famous face, I don't have a huge, uh, you know, online following. I don't even do social media, not that I'm against it. I just don't do it. But um, uh, so I, my life is kind of split between two ministry worlds. Uh, um, for 15 years, have served as missions pastor at River Valley Church, which is just a, a church that is uh, making a difference in our community, but is on mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And uh, that comes from our lead pastor, Pastor Rob Ketterling, uh, was a missions major in college. And uh, on Easter Sunday, he'll talk about missionaries being raised up and sent out to the ends of the earth. So it is is definitely the heart, the core of our our church and, and the bullseye uh, of, of our church, as we say it, as Pastor Rob says it, is to raise up and send out 500 missionaries from our local church to the ends of the earth. And uh, so one of the mechanisms that uh, was birthed uh, along the way, probably about 15 years ago, 
uh, was this thing called Kingdom Builders. And so the idea is um, we all learn to be obedient through that first 10%, that tithe. Say, Lord, everything that I have, you've provided, and I'm just going to return that first 10% to you as a way to say, uh, I love you, and I acknowledge that everything that I have is from you. But we don't want it to stop there. We want to say we want our heart to keep getting bigger. We believe that a heart that's touched by God wants to be generous, wants to help other people, uh, both in our community and around the world. And so uh, Pastor Rob birthed this vision called Kingdom Builders and said, everybody, whether it's a little child or the oldest of oldest, can, can be a kingdom builder. Anything above and beyond that tithe, I want to see the kingdom of God accelerate and uh, use the resources that I have. And so uh, it started out and a few hundred thousand dollars uh, was raised. And that was incredible for the size of the church that we were uh, at the time. And last year was a record year in the midst of all the, the chaos and crazy, uh, $10.4 million above and beyond the tithe. Um, and it's important to note that River Valley actually uh, ties one-tenth of what comes in and sets that aside to support long-term missionaries. We support about a thousand missionaries every single month. Um, but above and beyond that, uh, $10.4 million was raised and given around the world. And, uh, and it, it goes to three things, local expansion, uh, next generation, and global missions with the largest portion being global missions. And uh, yeah, it started with a vision, started with a dream. And I will say um, it, uh, it takes a lot of courage and consistent courage. Um, what I mean by that is early on in the pandemic, we shut down all the campuses uh, we sent uh, all the staff. We were all asked to go home. We didn't know what was going to be around the corner. We didn't know what the economy was going to do. We didn't know when we would be able to open back up uh, as a church. And I remember getting a text message from Pastor Rob. It's on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, he just said, uh, give it all away. Don't hold one penny of missions dollars back to help preserve the church. Uh, because if we have to sell a campus, we'll sell a campus. And so I I asked him which campus he was talking about. He didn't think it was <laughs> funny at the time because we have different size campuses valued at different, you know, just in the building, the property or whatever. But, um, but that, that reveals a heart of, uh, of just, it reveals his heart, but it also exemplifies courage. I mean, you're in the middle of an, what felt like unprecedented times, not sure what's going to happen with your staff. It's 150 on our, on the payroll, um, all these campuses, all these commitments. And he's like, don't hold $1 back from making a difference in the world. Give it all away. And, uh, and in the midst of that, the Lord blessed the church. And, uh, and I think it was a test of, of, of where our heart was truly at. Mm -hmm. And the Lord saw that, blessed that, and uh, people responded to that. And so, uh, yeah, it's an honor to be a part of River Valley, been here 15 years. And uh, it's where we've raised our kids and um, our community, our friends, our small groups. Uh, it's, it's an amazing church community. Yeah, it really is for sure. That's an incredible story. And what a great um, testimony it is to, to be under such amazing leadership, to bless the world as much as you can in the midst of chaos and confusion and a pandemic, essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible to see. Like when we 
when we show up, God shows up. When we show up, God shows off. And I think that's an awesome uh, way of saying like, God, everything that we have is yours. This 10% and beyond yeah. is yours. And realizing that God even sees, he sees the 42% that's not being reached. He yeah. sees any and all, right? And can you just talk specifically about what you're focusing on with uh, Project 42 when it comes to the unreached people groups of the world? What have you guys been doing? What tactics, what approaches? What does that um, look like for you specifically? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, most people, Barna did a, a study not long ago that uh, said that 70% of church-going people aren't aware that there's even a single people group that's still unreached. Um, people just assume that everyone has internet access, they can get version, they can Google it. Um, the reality is that 40% of the world's not even connected to the internet, so there's no way for them to even get this podcast or connect to version. but that also assumes that it's in a language they could understand. So there's 2,000 language groups that don't yet have scripture written in their language. Wow. They have not heard John 3.16 before. They don't know that God so loved them that he's willing to offer his son uh, because it's not even in a language that they could understand. Less than 1% of the church resources are going to the unreached. Uh, so um, I, I think a, a, an illustration, this I know it uh, became super clear to me. Um, I was watching two of my kids play. I have three kids now, but at the time we just had our oldest two. And I'm watching them play and the Lord just kind of downloaded this uh, illustration or this analogy and it just became so crystal clear to me. So I think it might be helpful for, for people that are understanding, like, there's lost everywhere, right? My neighbor, my friend, my coworker, even maybe my brother or sister, or family member that doesn't know the Lord, uh, we would, using our language, would say they're, they're lost, and that's, that's appropriate. Um, but there's a difference between being lost and lost without access. So let me give this illustration. Uh, I have two kids. Imagine both my kids are lost. One is lost inside of a church building. And one is lost on the other side of the earth in a remote, desolate desert. They're both scared. They're both looking for their dad. Um, they don't know where to go, what to do, who to turn to. But my daughter, lost inside of a church building, has access to people that could help. So she could walk up to any volunteer. She could walk up to you guys at, at your church and say, I'm lost and I'm trying to find my dad. And, uh, and I tell the joke that whoever, you know, would say, describe your dad, and my daughter is going to describe a very muscular, handsome person, and you're going to know immediately that it's me, and, uh, and you're going to be very kind and bring her to me, right? Um, but my son, on the other hand, is lost in a remote, desolate desert on the other side of the earth, doesn't have any access to anyone in any church, doesn't have access to a missionary, doesn't have access to another believer that could introduce him to his heavenly father. And um, not one kid is more valuable than the other. It's just understanding the context and that one has access to people that can help and one doesn't have any access. Now, what would you say if I told you that somebody heard about my two lost kids and offered to give a million dollars to help me find my two lost kids? And I took 90% of those resources of that million dollar gift to help try to find my lost daughter inside of a church building and only 10% to go find my lost uh, son in a remote desolate desert. If you had kids or you think of your brothers and sisters or kids that you'd love, you would say that's not wise. It's not strategic. 
it, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why would you use those resources in such a disproportionate way? Well, according to the World Christian Encyclopedia, it's not 90% to 10%. It's 99.99%. Less than 1% of the church resources are currently being used to reach the 42%. Mm-hmm. The unequal distribution of the resources right now is an injustice. It, it's not fair. It doesn't make sense. It's not strategic. Uh, it's certainly not sacrificial or generous. Um, but I think the challenge is, is most people are, are unaware of it. Mm-hmm. They're not intentionally doing that. I, I don't believe that's the heart of most people. I think when people become aware of this disproportionate, they want to do something. The challenge is, is a lot of people number one, don't know about it. But then if they do know about it, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you know a missionary in Saudi Arabia or Yemen or, or North Korea? How, how do you start a church planting movement among unreached people groups? How do you translate scripture? Some scriptures take two, 20 years to translate. Well, who's doing that? So if you don't know somebody or something that can serve mm-hmm. as an honest broker to provide those resources to those who are doing something about it, you're kind of stuck on, I don't know what to do. And so we've just prayed that the Lord would position Project 42 and the relationships that we've come in contact with to, to be that broker, if you will, to say, I, I, I've heard that there's a problem and I want to do something about the problem. And if you guys can get it to the right people on the front lines with all the challenges that exist, all the security, all the sensitivity that's required, um, we'll help and we'll do our part. And we've just seen churches We've seen other organizations, we've seen individuals um, respond, and, um, and it's just been a beautiful thing to see the body of Christ respond to this need, and uh, it's an awareness thing, and it's a resource thing, and we want to try to help with both, so um, I don't know if that paints the picture a little yeah. bit. I, I could go into more detail, or, uh, but I don't want <laughs> to bore the, the crowd. It gets pretty uh, technical at times, but uh, it's an important thing because it's not just it's not just our heart. It's not tyrannized. This is God's heart. Yeah. He so yeah. loved the world that he was willing to give his son. Like this is the center of God's heart is that every single man, woman, child has a chance to respond to this good news. And, and the Apostle Paul, the writer of, of more than New Testament than any other author, the founder of the early church, said, my ambition is to plant the church where it does not exist and not build on the foundation of somebody else. Um, And so this was the ambition and the passion of the early church to say, where has the church not gone? Where is the gospel not yet reached? Um, Here am I, send me, Lord. And uh, and there's people willing to do it, uh, but they need our help and uh, and we want to help. So, you know, I think one of the first times like with my shoes i hit the ground saw unreached people saw unreached people groups um i guess it might have been china we went on a mission Mm, trip to more recently though in february of 2020 right before the globe shut down i went on a vision trip to india and there are anti-conversion laws in india Mm. and we were just looking a group of pastors went to say like how with college students with young adults how can we send interns? How can we send resources? How can we maybe challenge people to, to give a year of their life and pray about a lifetime? Okay. And so like, I look at one of the things is, okay, say the U of M, we all live in Minnesota, mm-hmm. 52,000 students. What opened my eyes is the sheer population of India is over a billion people. And yeah. like a billion people is a lot. 
52,000 people is a lot. So a billion people, but at the university of um, Delhi, I believe it was Mm -hmm. 600,000 students. So it's like one of the largest colleges or universities in the world. And we got to see and meet in a living room with some young people Mm -hmm. who are looking to launch a college ministry to reach people in India, rich people where, man, I I mean, I just, that was eye-opening to see, really powerful to see. And um, I guess the question that Micah and I are wrestling Mm -hmm. and the reason Mm -hmm. we asked you to come on the podcast, Justin, is is our family. Mm -hmm. What you shared gripped my heart as a dad. We've got two little girls. So God has this heart for his kids. Right. And then with our limited time, it's like a blip on the radar. What are we doing about Mm -hmm. the 42%? Right. 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 So as a family, like, what are we doing Mm -hmm. about, like, what are we doing about the 42%? What are we doing about India? What are we doing about unreached people groups? And so I just pause and ask the listener, what can we do as young leaders about what we're hearing right now? Mm -hmm. What can we do about God's heart? What can we do about the 42%? And Justin, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I want to think in definitely. Like what can we do as a group of young leaders? Yeah, absolutely. I think we can be paralyzed with overwhelming statistics, the overwhelming numbers, think that it's so far away, so unattainable, can even feel hopeless. You know, when you look at the staggering statistics, the unequal distribution of the gospel and the resources and the awareness issues and just say, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the thing that I come back to is um, the hope that, that the Lord provided us through John's revelation in 7, 9, where he says, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be gathered around the throne of Jesus, giving him the praise and the glory and the honor that's worth. So it's not impossible. It feels impossible, but the truth of what God told us is it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And so what I think we have to do is say, what part can I play? And, uh, and, and the thought that I've often had is, do we really think that that little boy in the crowd of the 5,000 was the only one that had anything to offer? Was he the only wow. one that had some bread and fish? Now, this is speculation. This isn't scripture. But I have to believe that there was another mom that had the foresight to send their child with a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish, that there was another teenager, a young adult that had shoved a baguette in their back pocket and was like, not a chance. What is my little bread going to do with this such, such a large crowd? It makes more sense for me just to eat what I've got and keep myself you know, healthy than break this into a zillion small little pieces. It just doesn't even make sense with 5,000 men plus women and children and all that. Right. So I think that there was a lot of people in that crowd that thought to this uh, themselves and probably rationally thought doesn't make sense for me to give up what I've got. But this little boy had the faith to believe that if he offered it to Jesus, I mean, he gave it to Andrew, Andrew gave it to Jesus. And Jesus said, um, I bless this. I break it. Now it multiplies. And with what Jesus can do with whatever we offer as insignificant, as incomplete, as minuscule as it may seem, when we offer what we have, um, he takes it, he multiplies it and makes it far grander. You know, the sum of the parts don't even add up. It's like with God, it just is incredible. And 
And this is going to sound, uh, I, I don't know what this is going to sound like, but it starts with your money. And here's why. Jesus taught his disciples where your treasure is, your heart's going to go that direction. Mm-hmm. So you start putting money where you want your heart to go, and it's going to go there. Because you start seeing money, hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars going a direction, you're going to start to learn more about it. You're going to start to pray more about it. You're going to start to feel like my money's not enough. I have to use my voice. I have to use my influence. I have to use maybe even my life or, or seasons of my life or chapters of my life and say, Lord, here am I. Like I can send my thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands if the Lord blesses you. But it, you just feel like, man, Lord, is there something more I can do? You've given me everything. Why, why should I hold anything back? Mm-hmm. But like Jesus taught his disciples, it starts with your treasure, your, your resources. And when something gets into your heart, every parent knows this is true. Like I always tell the story, like before I had my own kids, like there was, there was a limit to how much time I was going to watch somebody else's kids, right? Like we're talking seconds and minutes. We're not talking like weeks. And, you know, I was like, you didn't babysit. Beautiful kids are funny kids. But with my own kids, with, with Amelia and William and Savannah, wow. like, you know, this is a parent, you would take a bullet in a second. You would never even hesitate to do anything and everything for your kids. Well, a kid is a kid. No, when something has your heart, it changes everything. And when this idea that there are people who will be born, live and die and never heard how much Jesus loves them, that becomes unacceptable. Mm -hmm. That becomes not okay for us to sit in our churches and hear it over and over and over and sing about it over and over and over and have 10 different versions of scripture and 10 different Bible studies and 10 different podcasts and all those things are good. But if it's just self-serving, we just get bloated on spirituality um, and, and we have to say, no, 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 this isn't just for me. This is for every tribe. This is for every tongue. This is for every nation. And what is the part that I'm going to play? And it may start with 10 bucks. It may start with a hundred dollars or that may not even feel like enough and say, I'm pushing the chips in. I'm going to go radical. I mean, there's people that are doing radical things to live among the unreached. Why shouldn't we do radical things to help them? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think it starts uh, with your heart. And if your heart isn't there, start with your, uh, your, uh, your money and see where the Lord leads you. That's good. I love what Dr. John Piper says of missions exists. Why does missions even exist. It's because worship right. doesn't exist. Mm. There's people yeah. who don't know the name of Jesus. So how can you worship something that you right. don't know or mm. understand? Right. I think that all of us can give, all of us can send, all of us can go on different levels. And um, we're yeah. trusting that God's going to mm. speak to the hearts and the listeners and fire some people up. And I think the reason, one of the reasons that I'm fired up to have this conversation today is because it excites me the potential that's in the gen- next generation of millennials, yes. and Generation Z. And you see, this is very mm-hmm. cause orientated. This is um, a group of people mm-hmm. who rise up to say, when something's unacceptable, we actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then right. I get the ability when you're young, maybe when you're single, maybe you're a young couple. Um, or the people that you're leading are in that demographic and space, it is relatively more simple to rocket fuel go 
or to rocket fuel right. sacrifice. And it just, it's still possible for a mm. young family or anyone mm. to follow the call of God. And uh, I just look at like the potential that's in the next generation seems to pair well with the 42%. And the other thing about the next generation is they're very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And I heard our mutual friend, Ryan Skoog, say that the missionary of tomorrow is the entrepreneur of today. And sometimes this idea of creative access into a country, creative access to a globalized, technologically advanced culture and economy. Um, I mean, even this idea of BAM or business as mission, I'm still learning yeah. about. But do you agree with some of those thoughts of like the oh, next yeah. generation, BAM, entrepreneurship, like reaching unreached people groups, any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for those that are maybe unfamiliar with um, the, the concept of BAM or what we call business as mission, um, the majority of the unreached countries, you can't just waltz in and say you're a missionary and, and set up a church and uh, try to disciple people and uh, convert people. You, you, you just can't do it. You'll kick, be kicked out uh, so fast if you can even get in. And so, um, but a lot of these places do want businesses uh, that are profitable, that are reputable, that are sustainable, that are uh, growing and hiring. So uh, the Lord has, is just raising up entrepreneurial, business-minded followers of Christ to go into a community, really add value to that committee, not a shell company, but a legitimate business who is honoring the community, engaging the community. Well, they're getting visa access, not only to get in, but to stay in. They provide, but they're teaching people in a God-honoring way what it is to to uh, um, lead a business in an honest and honorable way and uh, disciple people through that and having access to places that we would not have access through traditional missionary means. And so the Lord is using that. And, and I think that is certainly uh, a very powerful way. And, and one way I do think that it takes all kinds of ways to reach all kinds of people. So I don't think there's a silver bullet for the unreached that, man, this is the one thing that's going to break it loose. I think, no, it's going to take all types of people. Right. Uh, we still need pastors and leaders and, and uh, uh, scripture translators and, um, oh. you know, businesses, mission, we take, it takes all, but there are people that maybe have never seen themselves say, man, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business guy. Um, how is God going to use me to reach India or Indonesia or wherever? Say, right. don't limit God. He actually may use the very thing that you thought was just a business to get you access to people that have never heard uh, the gospel before. So it's a beautiful thing. And I very much agree that entrepreneurs today are going to see that God has prepared them for something more than just making money. That's amazing. And wow. that's many of the young adults that we are, we are coming alongside that we've been able to pastor and just kind of do life with. They, they're going to, into the education system. They're going into business. They're going into um, these very strategic things that they feel like God's called them to. And they're like, I want to be able to have enough money to bless other people, to see other lives changed. And we know, like you guys had already alluded to the fact that they're very entrepreneurial. They live on mission. They want purpose and they want to be part of the purpose and the mission. Um, not only just as an individual, but as 
you know, a wave of the next generation. And I would just be curious to pick your brain. What are you uh, specifically dreaming about or hoping for when it comes to the next generation? You have three um, kids in your house and they're going to be young adults someday, probably sooner than what you, you think or what we all realize as time goes so fast. And um, I would just be curious, what are you dreaming and hoping for when it comes to the next generation? And um, you can take that any direction. Yeah. Uh, I think you said it earlier uh, that uh, just super optimistic. Um, the statistics right now aren't great, but to me, those statistics are actually encouraging. Uh, Barna a couple of years ago came out and said that less than 10% of the emerging generations are even able to articulate what this great commission is. Mm -hmm. So the last words of Jesus Christ, go into all the world, preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, um, was his dying command. Um, yeah. and, uh, and we know that people's last words are coming from the center of their heart. And so wow. God, uh, you know, challenged right before he ascended said, go into all the world. Well, less than 10% of the merging generation could, could, uh, even remembers those words. They think the great commission is like the tide. They think the great commission is like, love your neighbor or do good to others. So they'll do good to you. I mean, good things, good principles, right? Even biblical principles, but the ability to articulate, God's last command, Jesus' last command repeated in all four gospels. And then again, in Acts 1-8, go into the all, all the world, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And I think we run a risk when we bifurcate that command and say, no, 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 my, my mission field is my local community. Mm. You start to shrink your heart and it no longer looks like God's heart. At the same time, we shouldn't care about the ends of the earth and forget our neighbor next door. Right. Our heart should continue to enlarge as we grow and we mature. Paul taught the Corinthian church that I pray that your sphere of influence grows in impact beyond the regions beyond you. And, uh, and so he was saying, man, as you grow in your faith, as you grow in your understanding of the world, um, you know, I just, I pray and I hope and I really believe that this generation has watched the wealth of a previous generation that that doesn't provide significance. That doesn't provide the joy and, and, and significance and, and passion in life that there's, we were created for more than that, right. than just comfort, than just ease. And, uh, and so I see a, a passion in the next generation that says, I'm not just living this life for me. I'm not just living this life for, for my own comfort or my own whatever. And so um, I'm encouraged, but I think it's our responsibility to, um, to share it with one another. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Project 42 started with just a group of volunteers, and um, we've never once marketed it. We've never once uh, tweeted it. We've never once Facebooked it. We've never once Instagrammed it. We've never paid for an advertisement. We've never done it. And it's grown to a multi-million dollar organization just by word of mouth. You guys sharing it on here. You guys aren't getting paid to share this. <laughs> Didn't even know about this. And you guys are like, hey, would you come and talk about the power of talking to other people? Um, inspiring. Martin Luther King said that there's nothing more dangerous than sincere ignorance. Well, if we are now aware yeah, it's now our responsibility to help other people become aware. And we are a publishing generation. We are a sharing generation. We want to tell other people everything we know, everything. And it's like, but that's a good thing. The Lord can use that as a as a catalyst um, 
to ignite a movement of missions that no generation has ever seen before. And, uh, and so, um, like I said, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Is it our generation? I don't know. Missiologists say that we have enough resources to reach every single man, woman, and child on the earth um, mm-hmm. in the next 40 years if we move the pendulum of resources from the 99.9% to, you know, the other side of, uh, of that equation. And it's a personal responsibility. It's not just, oh, the church should do something more about it. No, I should do something more about right. it. That is so good. And one of the things that I've known about you for a while, like a decade, I remember uh, 2012, our church at the time was like in the process of launching a young adult ministry. We wanted to reach the next generation in our community and in our world today. And uh, at the same time, your church was, and so we met at uh, Starbucks in Apple Valley and it was you and I and Kirk Graham. And what I know is that there was a meeting that happened with Pastor Rob and he tasked Kirk and we had Kirk on in season one of this podcast (laughs) and he shared that you had kind of named this idea or come up with the name of 20 plus, which I know is now River Valley Young Adults, but you have a heart for this generation and you were one of the people who just, you were one of the people who would grab coffee, take a phone call, answer a few questions or text. And, and so I just love to know what's on your heart with this question, Justin, like, why do you believe in discipleship of 18 to 30 year olds? And why do you believe that young adult ministry is vital in our churches? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it stems from what Jesus taught us, make disciples, you know, and, um, I, I want to think of myself as young, you know, I'm 43, uh, but um, realizing that um, there are 20-year-olds, there are 18-year-olds, there's 22-year-olds that don't know the stories of God's faithfulness that I've experienced for 20 years, that longer than their entire life. And so I just, I think it is just a, um, a byproduct of intimacy with Christ um, when you get close to him. You want other people to get close to him because you find the joy and the fruit of the spirit that comes from that relationship. And, um, you know, I watched my parents do it for me. I watched other people that, you know, didn't know who I was that took time to invest in me and pour into me, not knowing if there'd be any fruit from that investment. But, um, you know, I, I just think that it's, it, it's never too soon to start discipling other people, even as young as you may think you are, or maybe as old as you think you are. Um, the job is never done. We're all called to make disciples, um, and so, yeah, I just I think it's the it's the responsibility of a follower of Christ to model their life after Him, and He gathered people around Him. And there's different levels. Like one of the things that I realized is that even Jesus had different levels of relationship. He had John, the one that he loved. Now that was John self-appointing himself as the one he loved, but, but then he had three and then he had the 12 and then there was the 72 and there's the 500. So I don't think we need to put the pressure. That's like, man, I have to have the same level of discipleship and intensity with every single person in my life. No, God brings certain people there's a synergy. There's a natural ease of relationship. I know uh, one of our common friends, like Micah McDonald, right? Uh, I know you love him. Like I heard him speak one time at this random small little gathering of pastors. 
and he's the Lord has put him on massive stages. Right. But I just heard him speak. And at the end of it, like there was just something that was like, I feel like I'm listening to myself speak like his heart, his passion, the, the, the authenticity of which it was just flowing out of him. And so I just went up to him. was like, bro, you, you don't know me. We have very similar names, Justin Mack, Micah Mack. Like we, we have to be friends. And like, I forced that relationship. Like, I was like, bro, we are going to be friends. And thankfully he, he didn't get creeped out by that. And he's, he's uh, joined me in that relationship. So I just think we have to be intentional about our relationships. We're supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, whether it's down, whether it's up, whether it's peer to peer, that's, that's disciple making and we're all called to do it. That's so good. And that's one of the purposes, not only of what you're doing, Justin, but and is what we're mandated to do as believers, but also what this podcast is designed. This podcast is specifically designed to help link arms with people doing similar, but very different things and approaches in ministry. So whether you are in the East coast, West coast, North or South, like how we do ministry does not look exactly the same, you know, but we are all trying to reach our neighbor. We're trying to reach our family members. We're trying to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so hopefully this podcast can exemplify the fact that, Hey, the people that we have on this podcast, we want to do life with, Mm -hmm. and we want to, you know, help people connect with each other. Um, Just like you're like, Hey, Mike and Mac, we have a similar heart. Let's be friends. Um, Very similar things. And a lot of it comes through young adult ministry. When you can make friends for maybe a season, maybe a lifetime, maybe you're going to meet your future spouse. Maybe it's a situational circumstantial, you know, depending on the season, but we just know that young adult ministry is important and to link arms with other believers and to realize that, Hey, we're all on the same team. And it's the winning team going towards the same mission. So let's stop, you know, backbiting. Let's not bump each other off the road, even though we're all, you know, going the same direction. Like let's be cheering each other on. Let's not compete and compare, but let's, champion each other on let's come alongside yeah. and and sing their praises and pray for them and link arms and say i see you but god sees you more how can i team up with you and how can i help bless whether it's one-time donation whether it's um you know promoting a book that somebody's written or putting somebody on a stage and it's never about us it's about what god wants to do in and through us when we allow him to do that and we know that you want to become friends with Mike and Mac, and I'm sure that the audience wants to become, become friends or know you a little more, Justin Mac. So we've come to the point of our segment where it's called Five in Five. So it's right. five questions in five minutes. Are you up for the five in five challenge? Let's do it. Let's go. Right. He's ready. All right. Here's a fun one. What's something you're into right now as a hobby for fun? Like anything you've been doing as a fun outlet aside from oh, ministry? Uh, trying to get grass to grow in my yard. Uh, I'm like an adult. <laughs> and we have a trampoline and so it covers the grass and burns the grass. And then I've got an area where my grill is and it's I'm like, I'm doing this wrong. And, but it's actually like my job is fairly cerebral where I have to use my brain a lot. Um, and, uh, but that is kind of a fun hobby outlet where I can just like, you know what, I can just mow and I can try to get this grass to grow and stuff. So literally this morning I'm out like, is it growing? Is it growing? And so, uh, yeah, just yard work is kind of a fun hobby and uh, a mental relief for me. 
totally. I love it. Does that sound like super old adult right there? Like, and it's called it's extreme so... adulting. Extreme adulting. Those are real it's things. Totally adulting right there. I'll tell you an embarrassing, I don't think it's an embarrassing moment. I think Josiah might've been embarrassed. It's about lawn and about fertilizing our lawn and getting it. So we had um, Josiah DeGuara from the Green Bay Packers on the podcast and he has this incredible beard. And I told him before I hit record, I was like, dude, I'm like, do you put miracle girl on that beard? Because I want our yard to look like your face. And he just laughed. Yes. He was laughing so hard. I was like, we are extreme adulting over here. I'm like, we're nerding out. We're geeking out over our lawn. Yes. So you are not. Yes. Our exception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, how about this? If you were say going uh, on a road trip with your fam this somewhere, or maybe you're going on an airplane to do uh, missions work, what would maybe be your road trip snack that you, you just got to have, you know? Oh man, that's a good one. I mean, my, my first, um, is the healthier better, but that's like the right answer. But the, the real answer is probably like Reese's pieces, you know, yes, <laughs> you know that's not going to help me. It's going to, it's going to taste good, but, uh, love, love some Reese's pieces for sure. I think that's so funny. All right. Here's the curveball, Justin, if you could ask just our uh, Josiah and myself something today, what would you ask us? It can be anything ministry, non-ministry, fun, serious, whatever you got. Uh, what's your number one piece of marriage advice? Mm. Ooh, we have a whole lot of them. You want to go first? Sure. Second? We're coming up on five years, June 30th. And um, I think for me, the number one piece of marriage advice starts in singleness. Mm. And it's, if you're single and you're listening and marriage is a desire of your heart, you actually have an advantage in that you haven't, you have no bad habits. You haven't, you don't have any tips with your spouse right now. Like you have an advantage to deal with anything that you need to, or want to, to become the person that your future spouse and your future self will thank you for. And so I'd say is like, mm -hmm. and, and here's the other thing, like, say you are five years in, like we had to chop down a tree in our yard and man, the best time to plant a tree would have been before we chopped it down. So our lawn didn't get scorched. Right. <laughs> but the next best time is right now today. Mm -hmm. So I'd just say is like, it starts today, whether you're single or you're married, mm -hmm. you want a strong marriage. It starts tonight, mm -hmm. date night. Mm -hmm. It starts today. Like praying for that future spouse, journaling, mm -hmm. fasting, asking God before you start dating. Uh, is, is this something that I should be spending my time on? Is this person, you know, like mm -hmm. an equally yoked meshed situation, but yeah, what would you say? Good. Oh man, I would say love is a choice and you need to continually choose to love each other well each and every single day. There'll be seasons when you have children and you're trying to figure out the new norm when you realize that there are bills to pay and how do we get how are we going to pay these? Um, what side of the bed do you want to sleep on? Why do you squeeze your toothpaste this way? Toilet paper roll should go this way, not that way. And it's like, it's overlooking the micromanaging that we have in our singleness that yeah. can become a pet peeve and snowball into years of resentment over catch up, not being wiped off or something stupid. These are just things I've heard people talk about. We do marriage mentoring with young adults. So we, we forewarn them about all these crazy things, but choosing to love each other well, even when the situation at hand is challenging and the situation just might be your own attitude, right? 
It might be um, the season you're in. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, choose each other uh, before the enemy tries to choose somebody else for you. Mm -hmm. And if you give enemy an inch, he will take a mile. So draw close to the heart of the Lord, as well as your spouse in the midst of any and all things. They're the person you should confide in, not your Facebook posts, not your girlfriends or your guy friends or anybody else. It starts with the Lord and then it goes to your partner and yeah, don't give anybody that you're the only one who has access to certain things. So take advantage of that and choose love. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) And back to you, Justin, uh, question four, question four or five, what's something that you're like excited about right now in 2022 or looking forward to this summer or in the near future? Oh man. Uh, my parents this summer uh, are celebrating their 50th year of, of marriage. And um, so they're, they've got a big gathering down at their place in, in Arizona. And so we're going down there and uh, it's just to see, see faithfulness uh, exemplified um, to see um, like you were talking about Micah, like they kept choosing each other over and over and over. And um so to, for my kids to see that, um, there's going to be people that were actually in their wedding party there oh at that party 50 years <laughs> later, that, uh, that is not a feeling that is not a, uh, man, I, I want to do this. Like there were highs and lows, you know, um, and they were in ministry the whole time and the pressures of that and the challenges of that and the class house of that at times but to just see my parents' faithfulness, like I'm just so excited for my kids to, to know that grandma and grandpa, uh, when they said yes, they, they meant yes for a lifetime. And so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the craziest party, but it'll be fun. So I think the example is, is what I'm excited for my kids to see. Well, congrats to grandpa and grandma Mac for 50 years of marriage. Praise God. All right, Justin, here we go. Five of five. If you can leave the listener uh, with one piece of encouragement today, what would you say to them? Uh, You know, I I was going to say this uh, when you were asking me about my journey, but um, you don't know who's around you. Um, I remember when I was in college, I just had this idea to challenge as many kids uh, to go with me during spring break. Uh, and help as many missionaries. And that it kind of blew up. It wasn't like this strategy. It was just like, instead of just going to Florida for spring break or California, like, let's go help some missionaries. Like that was just in my heart. So I invited a few friends, invited a few of their friends and end up being a couple hundred uh, kids during spring break. We called it spring explosion. It was a lame name then. It's still a lame name, but it was called spring explosion. Well, in that couple guys from Minnesota heard about that, came down and asked us what we did. So we just shared what we did. And what I didn't know is one of those kids' dad was gonna be the guy that hired me when I moved to Minnesota. And that guy was gonna introduce me to Pastor Rob Ketterling, who has been my boss and leader for the past 15 years, which was then gonna birth something in my heart called Project 42. God had a plan. I didn't know that when I said yes to, go help some missionaries during spring break that God was going to order my steps in a way um, that would change my life. 
change my family, change how I spend my time and my energy. But literally as a 20 year old kid in college, my junior year, just this idea one day popped and how God orchestrated that. So like, don't minimize any decision that you make. Don't minimize the impact. And, and I didn't even know about some of those things. I'll just say this. I didn't know about what was happening until five years after it happened. Like I heard the story after it happened where this, my boss said, Hey, I heard about you like four or five years ago. And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, my son told me about you, but I told the Lord, like, I'm not supposed to reach out to him. If he's supposed to be in Minnesota, he's going to come up to Minnesota. So I move up to Minnesota, not for that job, just because I felt like Minnesota was a cool place. And I had some family here. So just, like you don't know how miraculously God is working behind the scenes in your life. Sometimes you don't get as clear a picture as what I just painted, but um, just know that God is faithful. He is doing things through your obedience that you can't even predict that you can't plan. Um, But God's plans, his ways, his path is so much better than our ways, our plans, our path. We just have to be obedient and faithful and, uh, and he takes our life and he does amazing things through it. So that's fun. Amazing. I picture God up there playing chess while you're right. down here playing checkers. And you think like, okay, I'm going yeah. to Minnesota now from Texas. And then he's got these other moves that it's like the yes. same board, but a different grid, a different perspective. It's a different stratosphere. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> So that's yeah, encouraging absolutely. us, inspiring to the listener. And Justin, we just want to honor you and acknowledge you for the work that mm-hmm. you're doing and for the, the fire that you've created in our bellies, that God's mm-hmm. used you to illuminate the 42%. And we don't want to stop. We want to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. If you want to find out more about Justin Mack, River Valley Church, or Project 42, we'll put some links in the show notes wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast. And until next time, thank you, Justin. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.